Welcome to Gateway Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Gateway Church Doncaster in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information about Gateway Church, please visit our website, gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk. Thank you for listening. I was looking this morning and uh, just seeing, you know, there are quite a few similarities between Selby and Doncaster uh, in many ways, but uh, <clears throat> only last week did we uh, arrive at the situation where we had PowerPoint for the very first time. So we've only just dragged ourselves into the 21st century, nine years in, so uh, you're certainly ahead of us on quite a few things, but um, it's great to have a relationship together. Okay, well... Pastors, uh, as I understand it, mostly find it quite difficult to talk about the subject that I'm going to speak about this morning. And uh, you can be forgiven if there's a a kind of a groan when I say this word. But actually what I'm going to speak about is uh, money and uh, finances. And so I don't want you to turn off at this point. Just keep going, just stick with me. Because hopefully we'll we'll come through it at the end. But uh, usually... Pastors find it difficult to speak about money, particularly in their own churches, is because it often centrally involves them and um, their support and what is going on there, which is right and proper and that, that, that is fine, but mainly because the people hate speaking about money. There's just something about money that is offensive to people. I don't know whether that's a cultural thing or whatever it is, I think it partly is that, but uh, there's something about when we come to speak about money that people just totally dislike it. However, it's just come out in a couple of contributions that we've had this morning, just about the state of the nation and the state of the world generally, and it's something that we just cannot get away from. You know, money and finances are part of our everyday life, they're part of, and they're central to, to what we do in the church. And so um, we live in a culture where people, especially those high earners, have boasted about you know, their perks and their salaries and stuff like that, often in a really gross and offensive way. <clears throat> but when it comes to about responsibility and how we should use what has been entrusted to us, that's when people tend to clam up and, uh, and go quiet, um, often because uh, they've probably not been faithful. Uh, to what has been given to them. And I'd say that's certainly true in a Christian sense. Uh, in some ways it's quite appropriate. I, I, for one moment I did think that I'd got the wrong date actually as Owen just mentioned and uh, Owen's blood ran cold. Mine did actually before I rang him because uh, I thought oh dear me I've made a mistake here. But uh, it, it seems quite appropriate that I've come on the, the first day of February because um, Jesus, if you, if you check into uh, what, he, what he spoke about most often, and some people who are into statistics and stuff like that have found out, have, have realised that Jesus spoke about money 25% of the time that he addressed people. Which is very, very interesting. So, actually, if me and Owen were being faithful to our churches, and I must confess that I am not in this matter, but if myself and Owen were being faithful to the churches that we are leading, the first Sunday in every month we would talk about money. And you'd all probably leave after two months. <laughs> so that's probably why we don't. But it's true, Jesus spoke about finances 25% of the time. But when it comes to money, you'll often find <clears throat> that um, it's a spiritual link and it's a key indicator to where people's priorities lie. 
And so we will often see that in what we're doing. <clears throat> it really is a kind of a key indicator as to where our heart is. The Bible is very clear on what it says about that. And generally our attitude is, uh, from a personal point of view, everybody seems to think, if I could just earn another 10% or another 20%, that would really be great. It would clear up all my problems, I'd be able to give more, and um, we'd be able to have more money and more time to do the things that we really would love to do. The only trouble is, in my experiences, and, and this is a personal experience as well, is when you get that 10 or 20% increase in your finances, <clears throat> you'll only live to that kind of standard of living. You'll increase your standard of living and you won't do the things generally that, that you wanted to do uh, and hope that you will be able to do if you got that kind of rise. So here's the thing. If you're always wanting that little bit extra... I would say that you're in danger of your faith actually being based on the finances, on the money that you earn, rather than on God. And that's a very important thing to consider. Uh, it's a whole issue really that we should give quite some thought to, because uh, it's something, as I said, that is central to everything that we do. <clears throat> Let me just ask you this question. Who is it that owns everything? <clears throat> it's a fairly straightforward question. God. Yeah, of course it is. It's God. <clears throat> Particularly as Christians, we, we don't find it a problem to understand that God actually owns everything. And so, it all hinges on this one question, actually. Everything I'm going to speak about kind of revolves around this one thing. Uh, when we think about it. You see, the thing is, if I see everything that I have as my stuff... If everything that I have is mine, then I can do exactly what I want with it. On the other hand, if everything that I have is God's, really I ought to do with it what God has called me to do. Sometimes we think that those two things are quite separate. What's mine is mine, and what I give to God is God's. But in actual fact, if we see this principle of who owns everything then it doesn't become a problem to us when it comes to giving. Because it's all God's anyway. And so, <clears throat> uh, if it all belongs to God, we shouldn't have to say, how much then should I give back to God as an offering to Him on a weekly basis? What really we should be thinking is, how much should I keep for myself? You see, it's a whole kind of different mindset there. The whole way of how most of us think actually shifts, even through considering one fairly simple question, and that is who owns everything. And so, one side says, why should I give anything? And the other side says, why actually should I keep anything? And so, we're talking about two kind of really separate things there. But once we've settled that, and I think most of us have, that uh, we understand that uh, everything actually does belong to God. Once we've settled that, the whole aspect of what the Bible calls stewardship enters into the mix of things. And so if it all belongs to God, that is everything, our time, our talent, our treasure, uh, God has given those things into our hands to be good stewards. And uh, he's called us individually to do that, and he's called us corporately as a church also to work out those things. And to recognise how, how uh, 
we can use best the gifts and the talents and the finances that God has given us to further his kingdom. Uh, is that true? Yeah, I think it is. So when we give in to God, we should first distribute to him what is his. It's a very important principle in the Bible. The Bible often describes it as giving of our first fruits. Okay, so it's the in the Old Testament particularly, it was the first of everything. We often have a struggle with that. Um, in actual fact, in a practical way, for those of you who are working, um, actually, we don't get chance sometimes to give the first fruits because when we get our wage, the tax man's already taken a large percent of it anyway. So, um, but anyway, there's a principle in the Bible called first fruits. So, if you want to turn with me to Proverbs three. Just going to have a look uh, very briefly at what the Bible says about that. So that's Proverbs 3 uh, and verse 9 and 10. Okay, I'm sure you'll all be familiar with this. Just been reading through Proverbs quite a bit just lately. Just been speaking to some of our men's meetings. Uh, through the book of Proverbs and just really reading it personally. It's just, I often used to read the book of Proverbs. Uh, I, must, I must say this kind of, uh, I ought to turn the tape off when I say this, but I used to read it sometimes just to, just to um, give me a laugh sometimes, I must say, because there's some fantastic verses. Well, can I preach it? Can I pastor say that? Obviously, uh, I, it just used to really cheer me up from time to time because there's some of these fantastic little phrases and sayings of which I'm sure uh, all of you are familiar with. And if you're a guy, uh, the dripping tap kind of syndrome and all these kind of things uh, fall fairly easily off our tongue um, to our wives from time to time. But it's a fantastic book uh, full of uh, wisdom and uh, sound advice. And so Proverbs 3 verse 9 and 10 says this. Honour the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Okay, so what it's basically saying there is that we're to honour God with all of our wealth and then the flip side is that God will bless us. It's an amazing thing. Now, I'm sure many people have spoke to you uh, over, over time that we don't just give to get back that, that's just not a correct principle that, that would, it would seem that would be born out of a wrong relationship and a wrong understanding with God however, when it comes to this whole issue of finances, it certainly is true, the Bible tells us over and over again that if we honour God with our possessions and the first fruits of everything that we have, then the result will be that we will get blessed, it's a fantastic thing, it's kind of a, <clears throat> a cause and effect kind of relationship there okay we're faithful to do one thing God is always faithful to, to give back and so everything as I said comes back to this whole issue of ownership that is why if you do not see God's ownership when it comes to your giving you're going to give grudgingly or not at all and we've all been through those kind of stages. I know that from time to time, for me personally, I've battled with some of this stuff. Sometimes I've come to the end of the year and I've filled out my tax return and stuff like that. And it says, uh, have you given anything uh, to charity this year? And I thought, yes. 
and then it says, uh, could you please uh, return to us the amount of money that you've given to charity this year? And uh, you write down the figure, and then, and then from time to time, especially in moments of weakness, you think, whoa, what could I have done with that if I didn't give that? Anybody ever thought like that? Maybe it's just me. But we do have those moments when even we know that God is faithful and even we haven't got a problem with giving that we often think if only we didn't we could be richer. I want to say that that is a totally false kind of view of what the Bible says. I reckon, I always remember Jeremy Simpkins who leads a north region of New Frontier coming and saying this to us that you'll never be able to live on 100% of your wage. But you'll also, I mean, he, he said you'll always be able to live on 90% of your wage. And I think that's true. It comes from that principle of the more we get, just our standard of living will go up and up and up and we'll just spend more, usually on ourselves, actually. I mean, statistics would actually back this up. And some of our personal application would say that that is true as well. But um, it's very, very important that we understand this whole issue of ownership as we'll never be able to give freely to what God has called us to. Now... The fact is that you guys working together and being church here in Doncaster will not be able to get away from the fact that you're going to need finances to get to where you are going. Uh, it's been the same for us in Selby all the time. I, I, I'm in a similar situation to Owen in that I was a, a self-employed carpet fitter when I, when I was um, uh, joined New Frontiers. Uh, I, was part, I was in leadership of the church and what I was doing, I was juggling my time between the church and my job and there wasn't much spare time there at all and uh, you, you really need to honour these guys because they've, I'm sure you know they've sacrificed so much for you guys and I know that you're in it together and they respect and honour you but you really need to honour these guys because when you start in a church, when you get in a church established, it is, it is really, really difficult. I mean, I think as you get more people, you just get more problems and more issues uh, and more blessings. But when you're starting things off, it is really tough. And I know, for me, that I was working three days as a carpet fitter and supposed to be working four days for the church. Well, three days for the church. But in actual fact, it was just 24-7. You know, and um, I never barely got a day off. And uh, in my spare time I was going to meetings and then fitting carpets and doing this. And trying to juggle that is so very, very difficult. And the finances weren't there, but we decided that uh, the church would cover one of my day's pay initially. And I think Owen's been in a similar situation to that himself. And uh, then we'd try and get that to gradually increase. I want to say that at no time did we ever have the money to cover what we plan to do as a church by faith. So even when I went for one day um, that the church had covered my wages, that money when we agreed to do that wasn't actually there. But it was a small group of people, much similar to, to what we've got here now, and, and God never failed us in that. And then it went to two days, and then it went to three days. And I was telling Owen, it was kind of based on a sliding scale. Well, this church that we were friends with in York, they said, what we'll do is, we'll cover the largest part of of what the church wants to give to you initially and then as the months go by our giving will get smaller and the church's giving will get bigger in actual fact they never had to give us a penny because the church rose to the fact that um, they recognised what was necessary 
and uh, they were really faithful in what they did. And I'm sure you're going to be faithful people in, uh, in looking at those faith aims. Now, you're going to look at the books probably and think, well, these things don't add up. But there's a concept, uh, you know, that God gives us that takes away what we see practically. Otherwise we'd never perhaps get anything done. But I'm not going to cover that because somebody else is probably going to come and speak to you about those kind of issues as well. So everything hinges on this whole issue of ownership. You don't need to turn this up uh, with us, but if you're taking notes, um, Ecclesiastes 5, Bob's already spoken uh, from Ecclesiastes this morning, which is interesting. Uh, nobody speaks from Ecclesiastes for years on end and then all of a sudden two people mention it in one morning. It says this, as, far, as for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth and given him power to eat of it and to receive his inheritance and rejoice in his labour, this is the gift of God. Okay? So when we're talking about giving to God and when we're talking about the whole issue of ownership, God's not got a problem with us having stuff for ourselves. That is not an issue at all. He says it quite clearly there. You know, that God gives for us as a, a proper gift of God. And he gives us those things for riches and wealth. Uh, and gives us power to eat and drink of it. And to receive and rejoice in that. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. So wealth of itself is not bad. And uh, wealth of itself is certainly not a sin. However, it can be sinful if we do not use what we've got correctly. That's why stewardship of what God has given us is so very, very important. So God gives us uh, partly to enjoy and to be obedient to what he's called us to. And that in part is actually part of our act of worship. So I'm sure you know that worship is not just even joining together on a Sunday morning to praise God. It is part of that. But worship is what we live out in our lives every single day of the week. But <clears throat> another reason why God has given us wealth and possessions actually is so that we can give some of it away. And it was great. You started your meeting this morning by taking an offering for people in different situations, different contexts, even in different parts of the world. So you see there's a heart attitude there that wants to give, that wants to be generous. And uh, even though obviously you've got some needs and some situations yourself where finances are pressing, well, you've you still got this heart attitude to give to others, which is absolutely superb. So everything comes from God, and we're to enjoy the, the fact that some of it is for our pleasure, and other parts of it are to bless other people. Uh, and what is important to understand is that we really, we are all really receivers of God's goodness. And uh, he gives to us abundantly, he lavishes his grace and his mercy upon us, so we are really receivers. And uh, he has entrusted to us to be wise with what he has given to us. Now whether that's in plenty or in need, whatever he's given to us, he has entrusted that for us to be wise. Jesus himself said, he who is faithful with a little should be given more. So it's just a really interesting concept. It's something that we've spoke quite a lot about in our church. In fact, it came a bit of a buzzword at one time. Faithful in small things, faithful in big things. That is the way that God works. So, <clears throat> when we consider how important it is for us to become good stewards of what God has given, all of that is underpinned in Scripture by how money is related to worship. So, first of all, we need to understand who owns everything 
then that we're supposed to be good stewards, then how we steward that is worked out in our whole aspect of worship. Now, in the Western church generally, uh, there's a kind of a warped view, if you like, uh, that worship tells us that it's our own special encounter with God. I, I didn't go to church very much before, um, before I met my wife. Uh, in fact, I'd never even been to a wedding or a funeral. But I started going to a couple of different churches when I met Angela, just to find out what this Christianity thing was all about. And you often find in a lot of churches that when people get in there, they do this, what for me at that time was a really strange thing. They either get down on the knees or they bend their head down and they start talking it's similar to themselves. I'm sure that they're actually praying to God. But it was a very perplexing thing for me at that time. But when you speak to people in those kind of contexts, they, they see worship as kind of a, a real personal, individual thing. And people still tell you that today. I don't think that's the view in New Frontiers. We gather together corporately to worship God, to encourage one another. That's, that's the exhortation of Scripture. But um, that is not actually to, to meet by yourself and to you know, have, have your worship as a personal and private thing. It's not actually very, very biblical. So whereas scripture says, worship is actually a sacrifice. And um, if you go into the, if you look at what the Old Testament says, we could use loads of scriptures for this. I'm just going to use one. Uh, Deuteronomy uh, 16 verse 6 says this. Uh, but at the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide, there you shall sacrifice the Passover at twilight and at the going down of the sun and at the time you came out um, of Egypt. And so what the principle was there in the Old Testament was that all the men would gather together at these given times, these feast times, three times a year. Oh, and again, as already said this morning, we do it different to that slightly now anyway, in that uh, we meet differently. But at that time, they were to come before the Lord, and nobody should come empty-handed, and everybody should come with something. And so worship basically was coming with hands full to give to God's purposes. Uh, and that's why in the Old Testament, God gets angry when the people bring dodgy sacrifices. Most of us have read about this kind of stuff. Uh, God said, I don't want the last and the worst, I want the first and the best. It's back to that first fruits principle again. And so, um, <clears throat> it's no sacrifice for the people, God said, to bring a three-legged goat with gout or something like that. Because that's what some of them started to do. They weren't given of the best. They said, oh, we'll, we'll give that... We'll give that dodgy stuff that we can't make use of anyway. And it's very important that we don't kind of get into that attitude in these days. Because worship is a sacrifice. It's the same in the New Testament. In Philippians 4 and verse 18. Uh, this is what it says there. Philippians 4 verse 18. It says, Indeed, I have all and abound and am full, having received from Ephrodite. If Aphroditus, the things that were sent from you, that became a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice that was well-pleasing to God. You see, in the Old Testament society, they had a kind of what was called a, a bartering society, where they'd give money, but they'd also give of herds and grain and various different things like that. In the Roman context, which we're looking at in Philippians... The context is more of a cash society, and so the gifts that we read about in the New Testament were often gifts of cash that people could use for the work of the apostles and the disciples and for the building of the church and one thing and another. 
And so, this is how we give in worship. It's a spiritual act of worship that everybody comes with something to give. Now, we, we take that on to the next stage because obviously we're exhorted in scripture that, you know, people bring different people bring the gifts along and people make different contributions to the church. Not getting away from the fact that we also bring an offering uh, which is for the work and to build the church. And so it's very, very important. Uh, there's just one really important principle that kind of crops up in all that. Um, which I'm going to come on to in just a second. But I want to ask this first. Is it possible, therefore, to go to church week by week and actually give nothing? Should it be possible to go to church week by week and give nothing? Well, actually, uh, if you can get away with it, yes, it is possible. <laughs> I'm not sure whether you should be doing it. Biblically, it says that you shouldn't. You should actually bring something. But um, it is possible to get away with it. And I'm sure many of us are. And at Selby, people have been getting away with it for years. Even though we've been trying to address this subject. <clears throat> but let me just give you an observation that, that really comes from our church. We, one of the things that we do kind of uh, in outreach is that um, we, we work in uh, connection with uh, an organisation called Christians Against Poverty. They're a national organisation that offers debt counselling to people who have got into financial problems. And we actually have a girl that works from our church and she goes out and visits people in financial situations. And then it's a great tool for evangelism actually because she goes out and meets them, takes all the finances down, tries to give them kind of a repayment plan, takes somebody along from the church to befriend them and then they make friends. And often we've seen these people come into church. Uh, so it's a great principle. But it strikes me... That it's our general attitude in these days, and I think that's partly why the nation as a whole has come into these problems with this whole financial situation that we're going through now, is that um, <clears throat> it strikes me that we strive by all means to settle our debts to man. And scripture would back that up in part, you know, don't be any man's debtor and stuff like that. But it seems that we've had situations where people uh, have got themselves into problems, but then they've, they've had to save and scrimp and scrape everything to give back to what they've borrowed from man. Well, in actual fact, they've given little concern to what God has given them and to what they ought to be giving back to God as an act of worship. And so it's very, very important that we kind of consider that because it has, it has some fairly major uh, kind of connotations for us, really. Because, uh, you know, those gathering week by week, they may come and sing songs, and uh, they may even lift their hands, and they may even have an experience of God. <clears throat> but there's problems there if we're not actually coming to contribute something, and we're not actually coming to give something. Because the Bible has a really heavy word for what that actually is. And the Bible would call it idolatry. And you're actually coming for your own gain and your own blessing without actually wanting to give anything back. And so there's a danger there of actually setting yourself up as the, the person who, you know, needs to have a good time and almost should be, should be worshipped. If you're keeping back from God what you should be giving to God, you're almost beginning to get into worshipping self. Now, that is a very, very difficult thing. Because where people are worshipping self, what they're actually doing in practice is that they are keeping what they should be giving to God and actually keeping it for themselves. 
I actually think more than that. We haven't got time to get into it this morning. But I'd go as far as to say that idolatry is one of the biggest issues that are facing the church today. It's a very, very sad thing to say. But increasingly, I'm finding and reading stories and situations where people are coming into church and they're wanting all the blessings and yet they're not wanting to actually give anything and that's just not a biblical principle at all. And uh, it's very, very sad when we get into that. I mean, we, we've tried to speak about this. We, we get a lot of poor people coming to our church. And don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not, I've not got an issue against people that are poor and people that are needy. We've, we've helped people out no end. And um, seen some fantastic responses to, to helping people out of financial situations. But if you do not get built up into God, and you do not recognise that God is the person who has everything and gives everything, and you continue in that kind of vein, you're in great danger of um, making yourself and your life into kind of an idol. And uh, it's very, very important that we don't get into those kind of things. And um, we really have had to address the situation where people have come along to church actually just for what they can get. And to a certain extent, that's fine. We're happy to give to people. That's, that's not a problem to us. But if people begin to build up this picture that God is some kind of Father Christmas that provides for them, then, then that's when problems can start to arise because they're not looking at God correctly. So we really need to speak into that. Okay, I'm just going to try and draw things to a close now. I've not gone as fast as what, uh, what I actually thought. But uh, I hardly men dare mention this next point. It might be a good place to finish actually. But um, it's the dreaded T word. Um, and that is... What, is that, what exactly do we consider to be a tithe? Um, it, it's a word that's mentioned in hushed tones in churches. Most of you have probably worked out that in the Old Testament they seem to tithe about 10%. They seem to. And, and then on top of that you've probably been told, well, that was an Old Testament principle. In the New Testament we get the issue of grace and the principle of grace. So, you know, 10%, we've gone on from 10% and, you know, if... If grace abounds, then our giving should abound all the more, and who's worried about 10%? But 10% for some of us makes us think, whoa, you know, they're after what they're on about. They're they robbing us or what? You know, it's, uh, it's, it's a big issue. Actually, in the Old Testament, the tenth was probably three times what we consider it to be, or almost three times what we consider it to be. For instance, 10% funded the Levite priesthood. Okay, so 10% of everybody's first fruits went purely for ministry and salaries. Okay, so uh, there's a definite call there for us to be faithful to those that lead us and uh, those that help uh, building the church uh, by giving up their own time to, to serve us guys really. Um, second part is a much more interesting part. You, you'll like this a lot better. Uh, 10%, if you look at... Um, uh, if you read through the Old Testament, you'll find that there's this principle in there. 10% paid for the festivals and the celebrations that built their communities. Can you imagine that? 10%. Can you imagine if we all pulled 10% of our wage and our income for parties? I don't know whether you do that, but when I, I did actually mention this to our crowd at Selby a couple of weeks ago, and they were really up for that. That, that bit they did like, I must say. <coughs> it sounds great, but actually... There's nothing wrong in it. Jesus was always at parties. 
He always found Jesus was at big parties right from the beginning of his ministry. You see, the first miracle that he, he, he had, he was at uh, a wedding feast. And uh, it's great to have parties, and they do build church. I'm sure that you all do social things together. It's very important to do that when you're building a church. Um, and so, there was 10% for parties, 10% for the priesthood, and then there was 10% every three years for the poor and the alien. And uh, I had heard recently that they'd spotted some aliens flying around Doncaster Airport, so maybe you, need to, you do need to consider that. And they certainly found some crashing into... Um, windmills or something, aren't they, in North Lincolnshire? So you're not too far away from that. So you maybe need to put something aside there uh, for, for the poor, but for the aliens as well. And then on top of that, they'd have had certain things to give at certain times. And so probably they reckon uh, that 27 to 30% of our gross first fruits actually went in a tithe, uh, and that was after tax. So, that is getting into heavy stuff, isn't it? I'm not suggesting for one minute, uh, I don't want Owen's phone going off all day, I'm not suggesting for one minute that, that we should go from this room and then start to do that every week. You're going to have to work this out for yourself. You know, but um, perhaps we need to reconsider how actually we look at giving. And, um, you know, we're always going to get taxed. The government are always going to take their bit. I mean, even when Jesus walked around, if you remember... It was, he told one of his disciples to go and catch a fish and then out of it he'd take a penny out of its mouth or, or, or a coin out of its mouth and that would pay for his tax I want to tell you, if governments are taxing God they're definitely going to tax you so you need to get ready well, it's never going to leave at all uh, and so it's interesting what do we think then happened if in the Old Testament because they're a legalistic bunch what happened in the Old Testament if they didn't actually tithe? well actually if you read through not much. Nothing actually happened if people didn't tithe. And in our church, and I'm sure this church is the same, nothing happens if people don't tithe. I mean, we encourage people to give. But we've never thrown anybody out of church for not tithing. We've never thrown anybody out of church for not giving, come to that. And uh, I don't think that will ever happen. But are there consequences to not tithing? Well, I would say from what we've read this morning that there probably is consequences. They're divine consequences, they're not human consequences. But we'll have to give an account to God as to how we've stewarded the resources that he's given us at one time. So that's very, very important. <clears throat> so God knows how well you've stewarded and what is entrusted to you. And one day, you will have to give an account um, for what you've done. Uh, and then almost finally... Um, in fact, probably finally. Just uh, one more scripture. And that is, nobody can preach on tithing without mentioning Malachi 3. So he thought I'd probably done well. I got right to the end before I mentioned it. But in Malachi 3 and verses 8 to 10, it says these really familiar words. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? They're really surprised. Like often we are when God challenges us about these things. What way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Uh, you are cursed with a curse because you have robbed me, even from this whole nation. And then therefore, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven, and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough for you to receive it. That sounds good, doesn't it? That sounds so much better. 
And so, this tests me... Um, it's about the only place you'll ever find in the Bible where God says that we can actually test him. And it's on this whole issue of finance. And it's coming back to the, partly what we read in Proverbs 3 earlier on. That if we give our first fruits to God, there is actually this cause and effect relationship. We give to God, God abundantly blesses. And it says there, I will pour out for you such blessings that there will not be room enough for you to receive it. I want to say that that has been my experience. I've often looked at my tax returns, like I said, and looked at the figure that is on it and thought, can I keep doing this? I certainly don't ever show my kids it because they don't fully understand the whole principle and they think that they should be getting a, a cut of what we're actually giving. But God has never let us down. I could tell you any amount of stories where God has come through for us in the aspects of finance and even when we've had nothing from time to time, which fortunately has not been very often, but a couple of times I've been in and out of work. I used to work construction and um, we'd be in and out of work from job to job and finances would get tight and God in miraculous ways showed up for us. And um, it's really important that biblically money is related to faith. And this is where I want to finish because I, I, I guess you're going to be challenged with this kind of stuff in the months to come. But biblically, money is related to faith. And so it's very important because without faith, what's the consequence? Without faith it is impossible to please God. And so we need faith. And the danger is that if we do withhold from giving to God... The danger is that we're actually saying, well, I mean we don't say this straight out, but the danger is that we're actually saying that we don't actually trust God to provide for us anymore. What we're actually saying in practice is, if I give this much, then actually I'm not going to have enough for the rest. And God says that he will never let us down in anything. He even says there's sparrows and birds out in the field that don't earn anything and they never go without and uh, I think we've all, I think most of the church, I think our church particularly has struggled with faith for that one issue. But uh, I'm sure you're going to have some faith issues that are facing you over these coming months. And um, there's just some food for thought there for you guys. Because, you know, I'm sure people have come and told you that you, you've got fantastic potential to build something glorious for God in this place and uh, I don't know too much about uh, other churches in Doncaster but I do know that there's room for a big sound church that preaches the gospel and has faithful people right at the core of what they're doing and you guys are right in there at the beginning and you're able to shape everything that is going to happen there you're all in it together Owen and Moenna are leading you but you're, you're in actual fact central to how you're shaping what happens here in Doncaster and uh, it's very very important you should be excited about being able to get in on that I'm sure you are but uh, when it comes to speaking about finances we really need to consider how it is that we can give because finances are always going to crop up and sad as it may seem money is always going to be an issue to what you want to do hire buildings, buy buildings give to the poor and needy you know, do various different things, be generous to people in the church and people out of the church and all these things that God has called us to. And so it is a massive issue. And um, if we can work out this first principle of where the ownership lies, it's very, very helpful for us then to plan what happens with the rest. So, okay, let's pray.
thank you, Father. Father, we just uh, we thank you for your graciousness and your mercy towards us. We just want to say, Father, thank you that you have never, ever let us down. And uh, Lord Jesus, we just want to say thank you for showing us these wonderful principles through the grace and the mercy that we have received abundantly from you. Uh, and this morning, I would just want to come again. Many of us would just want to come again this morning and say... Help us just better understand this whole issue of giving to you. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are so patient with us. So, I thank you for being so patient with me when I have been unfaithful in so many ways. Thank you that you have been so gracious towards me when I have totally misunderstood this whole issue of ownership. But I pray that you would help us to better understand in these days that you do own all things and yet in your grace and your mercy you have abundantly given to us resources to steward wisely for your glory and so we just pray that even in our very personal situations with our own personal stuff where even sometimes money is a difficult thing to talk about for one reason or another Lord Jesus I just pray that you would help us Better use it for your glory. Thank you that you've promised to bless us abundantly and never let us go without. And so we thank you for your wonderful love towards us that says, even test me in this and see that I will not pour out abundant blessings upon you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Okay, well, thank you for being patient. And uh, I didn't actually ask going how long we preached for, but... Uh, uh, it's just obviously with an intro and then what's on top uh, you've just been really patient with me uh, banging on about a very difficult subject but I appreciate that if any of you have got any questions I'll be quite happy to uh, answer them perhaps you think well what did you mean when you said that or what are you on about you can't say that to us you know, I'm quite happy for you to come back and say those kind of things if anybody you know, wants us to would like us to pray with these um, I'm, I'm sure that uh, myself and uh, Angela and Owen and Mawena will be happy to pray into some situations I want to say that I have not got it all sorted myself yet I'm still working through some of these issues personally uh, we're still working through some of these issues as a church but uh, nevertheless we really need to, to grasp this whole situation and uh, just for the glory of God and to build the local church so thank you We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget to visit gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk.